No, you're you're not crazy. This is another episode, a brand new episode of the Apple Circle podcast. It's been almost an entire year since we've done an episode. I think June 2019 was the last time we did one, so it's been a while and and a lot has happened since then and a lot is happening right now. Uh, you know, March 2020 is definitely an interesting time in the world, but I'm Mac Gonzalez and I'm joined by Robert Rosenfeld. We're back. Hey, the the Mac world has not paused, Matt. Since when we took a little pause since June, Apple has kept going. So there is so much uh, we have to talk about. But before we jump into anything, I do just want to kind of invite you guys listening to this to also join our conversation. We're bringing back an Apple Circle podcast staple, but a little bit different this time. So we want to invite you guys to call in. We want to get your opinions, your thoughts on anything we're going to mention uh, in this episode. Uh, feel free to call in and uh, we will play that on the next episode, but a new number this time. So take note or check the description of the podcast for this number. It is 949 949- Three five four three five zero eight. We'll put that in the show notes as well. But call in; it's going to go right to voicemail. Don't worry about anybody picking up on the other end. Uh, leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and any feedback on the show, on a particular Apple topic, uh, whatever it is. We want to hear from you guys and get you guys into the conversation. So uh, be sure to do that. And uh, wow, Matt, where do we even start? There's been a lot of new products and services uh, since since we ended this in June. So yeah. I think, I mean, I guess one thing, well, we'll just address it real quick up front, kind of where we left off in the last podcast was the Apple card. We were, we were waiting for it. We, it had been announced and we were just kind of speculating, you know, are we going to get one? What's it going to be like? Well, it's been out for a while now. I think you and I both have them. So what's your experience been with the Apple card? Is it, is it revolutionary? Is it the, the end all be all of credit cards? I think there's a lot to be said that the fact that we went through WWDC and like we analyzed that. And at the time, the most exciting thing from Apple we were looking forward to was the credit card. So something (laughs) can be said about that. So I, I don't know, you know, there was that initial wave of people who could get them and apply to them. And it was basically, you know, funny to see this clamoring around giving Apple your social security number and a bunch of personal information just for the chance to get this credit card. Um, but I'm a sucker. I did it. And, you know, there's some nice things. I like that, you know, the the sign up process was so seamless. I love that everything lives in Apple Wallet. Um, I love the cash back with Apple Pay. It's seamless. It works. Uh, it's super easy to control and manage the card. Um, I've loved kind of the bonuses, you know, 3% back from Apple services has been nice and Apple store and different partnerships. But I will say over the past, you know, few months, I've used it less and less just because when you stack it up with all the other card offerings, it just isn't very compelling. You can get more points with different card ecosystems and there's just a lot of other stuff you can do. So at this point, I basically just have my iPhone upgrade program and any Apple charges go on there just for the 3% cash back because why not? Uh, but besides that, it pretty much it pretty much just lays kind of dormant. What about what yeah. about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, it's it's a credit card. It's, it's a nice credit card physically. The titanium card is awesome. Uh, but, you know, I use it when I need to. I don't when I don't. It's it's not anything crazy. I think uh, I, I appreciate their interface. So like when you go to like pay your bill or check how much you you know you've spent, all of that I think is really well done. I think it's the best of any credit card I've ever used. But besides that, you know, just just a credit card, nothing nothing really too fancy there. Uh, I guess probably the other thing that was kind of mashed up together with that was not the Apple Card but Apple TV Plus. 
that was something else we were like waiting to see these shows and now those have been out for what like six months now they've been out for a while Uh, you know i then the apple tv plus thing is so interesting too and i think that maybe i got my expectations too high or maybe i'm just too critical but i will say i'm kind of disappointed a couple months into it kind of like the apple card it was cool and exciting in the beginning but I couldn't tell you the last time I went to the TV app on the Apple TV or opened the app on an iOS device and was actually interested to see what they had. Uh, one thing we do know now that we didn't know back then was pricing. It's five bucks, which I think is actually a very, very you know affordable and tangible amount of money uh, for a lot of people to pay to get access to the service. And to sweeten the deal a little bit more, Apple did a year free if you buy an iPhone or an iPad or an iMac or whatever it is. Uh, so basically, everybody is using the service for free at this point for a couple more, uh, more months. Uh, and, you know, I watched the morning show. I watched Servant. I really couldn't get into any of the other shows, but that's kind of where it stopped for me. The shows were well done. I, you know, could talk all day about I, I didn't think the storylines were super compelling and all that stuff, but I... I Maybe I expected more. I expected to be blown away from Apple TV Plus, and I don't think that I ever got to that point, at least not yet. Am I wrong here, Matt? What about you? What do you think? I think I enjoyed the shows a little bit more than you did when we were watching them. Like we would talk about it, and <laughs> you were definitely more critical than I was. But but I you know I think really what it comes down to for me is that they don't have a back catalog. I know we've talked. We've talked a bunch about like canceling Netflix and like not very being very happy with Netflix. But for me, one of the reasons I haven't is because they have a ton of shows there that, you know, I at the very least enjoyed when they were new and will definitely watch again if I want to. And especially like a time like this where we're all at home, we can't go anywhere. Like having that back catalog means like, especially for the next two, three months, I'm not even going to consider canceling Netflix. Like I, I will actually be using it. But with Apple TV, I've seen the shows that they have and I'm kind of over it at this point. I'm not going to rewatch the same show like two months later. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think, I think they have a ways to go, but at the same time, like you, like you said, the quality of the shows, I think for me personally, the storytelling of the shows was pretty good. So like, it's not that they were bad. It's just, it's not, it's not the like huge success that I think, they were marketing it as, but also, you know, it's early days. So all of this could change in like a year or two years. I do find it interesting that remember we had heard those rumors that it was going to be all family friendly and that was certainly not the case. Yeah, which I think definitely is not good. Uh, but I wish that what they would do is like Netflix and Netflix has a lot of duds on their original content, oh, but Netflix yeah, has some that pop. And when they pop, they pop like they're just like these cultural phenomenons. There's this one right now with the, like the tiger King one. It's like a yeah. little mini doc series and it is fascinating. So well done, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going on Netflix every night because I want to keep watching those episodes. I just wish that maybe Apple needs to get more into the documentary stuff or just kind of the unscripted stuff. Uh, I'm sure that is a discussion, you know, in the pipeline. Uh, maybe they have content they're going to, you know, publish that is unscripted. They certainly have the star power and the, the directors, and they have the production facilities. Like, the shows look good. But they just need some different content, or maybe they just need more content. I don't know. I just there's just not there's nothing drawing me back to the app, and that is what worries me. But I hope to be proven wrong in six months. But I agree the the lack of a back catalog is 
making it difficult to recommend and keep going back to when Netflix and Hulu and HBO, everybody else, all the other streaming services have, you know, tons and tons of stuff to look through. Apple TV Plus is nicely curate, uh, curated, rather, but if you don't like any of the stuff, you're basically out of luck until new stuff gets added, so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still early days, so a lot of this can change, but I'm glad it exists, but yeah, yeah it's kind of whatever right now. But the one thing that I am definitely glad exists and I want I want more of is that Mac Pro. Oh, now, I, same thing with these other things. Back when we did our last episode, we were waiting for that Mac Pro. We had seen it and we had, you know, it had been announced. We had talked about it, but now we've actually physically seen it multiple times. We've seen the Pro Display XDR. We don't have one because, you know, money, they're expensive. But the question I think is, if you had the money, let's say the the $7,000 for that kind of, not base level, but the next one up, would you pull the trigger on a Mac Pro? Oh, 100% without a doubt, I'd be going to the Apple website right now and configuring to my heart's desire a Mac Pro. I mean, as, as someone who works in a creative profession or like us, like we, we do video production for a living, there's never anybody, never a chance to say, no, I do not want more horsepower. I don't want more ability. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the things that the Mac Pro has is the headroom on it is like almost sky high. Like you could add over a terabyte of RAM. You can add, uh, you know, afterburner cards and keep expanding it. Like this dream of a modular Mac is back and Apple learned their mistakes from the trash can and it is expensive. Yes. And it's expensive. So we don't have any to try because they're so expensive, but man, like it is so cool and it is any video editor's dream to have that much power and that much custom, uh, customizability and all that stuff. So hundred percent mid tier, I would be super happy with that. Give me $7,000. Give me $8,000. I can spec (laughs) out a great mid level Mac pro and be happy what about you, Matt? I'm, I'm sure yeah, I know no, the answer def- to this. Definitely in the same boat. I mean, I could definitely see a Mac Pro in my future anyways, but having having that extra money lying around, that's probably what it would be used for. And it's not, it's like, like you said, doing this, this work, this profession of doing video editing, and especially for us, we shoot in ProRes, which works perfectly well in Final Cut Pro, but what that afterburner card does is, you know, accelerate ProRes footage. So it's like, it's perfect for our workflow. And like you said, like there's never a, a scenario where I can see anyone who does this like saying, eh, you know what? Nah, I don't need more power. I, I'm good with what I got. Like if the option was available, definitely take the more power, I, I think. And man, it's, it's interesting because when when the reviews came out, I was personally expecting them to be much harsher. But for the most part, they were actually very positive. It's like, yeah, this is the kind of modular PC tower Mac Pro that we were wanting. And yeah, it's expensive, but I, you know, I think it has proven most of the way to be justified that price. Like, like for the the studios and the production houses that are going to be buying this kind of computer, that horsepower is that's kind of what it costs. Yeah, there's a little bit of an Apple tax on there, but it's really not that much. So it's like, if that's the computer that you need, like Apple delivered. What I'm still struggling to understand, and I, I don't mean to pick on The Verge, but The Verge kind of harped on this a little bit in their Mac Pro review, which I thought was actually really well done with the Pro Display XDR, which we'll get to in a minute. But everybody loves to complain that like, oh, Premiere isn't very fast on here. Oh, Premiere is better on you know Windows. That's not Apple's problem. That's an Adobe problem. And that is, you know, obviously it's going to take time for developers to get their applications ready to take 
you know, advantage of so much resources and so much horsepower, especially with the Mac Pro. But I would say that typically, you know, for a, a company that's buying one, two, or like a fleet of Mac Pros, they probably are, are buying them knowing that Adobe either has yet to update their software or expecting it to be a little bit, you know, weaker until that software support comes, or they're in Final Cut and they're using Final Cut or they're using apps that are taking advantage of it, like Logic or apps that are made by Apple. Uh, so that always bugs me. And then the other problem is, you know, well, you know, who's really using that much power? And, you know, everybody loves to blame YouTubers. Like, you don't need that Mac Pro. You don't need it. And for a lot of them, yeah, they probably really don't need it. Like, do we need a Mac Pro? No, we don't need a Mac Pro. We're not making Hollywood movies. Though it would be nice and it could help the workflow. Um, but we have to remember that there are people out there who could use the Mac Pro. And there's a guy on YouTube, I cannot think of his name, but he was like some like music production guy and he kind of blew up. Uh, because of the Mac, this Mac Pro stuff, and he was kind of showing his custom setup and how he makes film scores and uh, soundtracks for TV shows and movies from home, and how he was replacing two, you know, pretty well specked out trash can Mac Pros that probably cost him at least I don't know ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars, whatever the price was for those things brand new. Two of those with one computer. That's more reliability. That's less power. That's less frustration of having to get two computers in sync. You know, there are people that are willing to pay this price to get this kind of machine and for them it works. So I love the power. I love what the Mac Pro promises. It always still frustrates me though with the people who, you know, who are so mad that Apple isn't making this kind of machine. And then once they do, it's like, oh, it's too expensive. Or, oh, who needs that machine? Like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just being a curmudgeon about it, but I, I <laughs> no, always those, hear those, those arguments. people exist. Yeah. yeah, those people exist for sure. But, you know, I guess at the end of the day, the people that say that kind of stuff, they're, they would never have bought this computer anyway. So it's like, who cares about them? That's true. <laughs> yeah, but The Verge, their review was, it wasn't negative by any means, but it was definitely like a uh, Adobe software doesn't really work too well on this thing. But generally it was positive. And that's kind of the the gist of the Mac Pro. It's like pretty positive reviews. Everyone who have tried it, like seem to enjoy it and they understand it and it works. But interestingly, at least to me, what what didn't get such stellar reviews, it didn't get bad reviews, but it wasn't like stellar like we were expecting, is the Pro Display XDR. So this is, you know, the $5,000, $6,000 display that's 6K, it's 32 inches, it's huge, it's beautiful, it's it's crazy. But the big thing, the real real selling point here is that Apple says or did say at the time when they announced it that this was comparable, if not equal, to the $40,000 reference display from Sony, which is, you know, an industry kind of standard. Like if you want basically a perfect picture, you get this Sony $40,000 display. Well, guess what? Apple is now making something that's 5,000, still a lot of money, but a fraction. And it's supposed to be as good, if not exactly the same. But that doesn't seem to have been the case. Now I've seen one in person. I think it looks amazing and great. And I, you know, I see the issues. Basically the issues have been, if you go off access, it kind of gets washed out. doesn't give you as much contrast, which happens with pretty much any display. But when you're kind of getting to that really high end, that should not happen. And then also there's kind of some light bleed. So like, say you're looking at a black background and then you have something white in the middle, instead of it being a perfect white circle, you'll have kind of this halo around it. And that's just because, you know, it's not an OLED display. It's a kind of typical LCD, although a very high-end one. So so it's not perfect. And, and I, I hear those issues. I see those issues. But for the kind of above average to not so average consumer, 
I think this display is still going to be excellent and probably the best display you'll ever use. But I can see why for those people that were hoping this would be a $5,000 perfect reference monitor, it's not quite there. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I think Apple's claims are a little bold. And then, you know, they're comparing it to this $40,000 Sony monitor. And then you see the two side by side. Okay, it's not that good. But is it $35,000 worse than that uh, monitor uh, by comparison? Is it worth it to, you know, spend the money to get that? Or, you know, for $5,000, it's a pretty good value. I feel like, you know, again, it's you know, maybe this is targeted a tier lower than Apple would like. Like maybe they were kind of targeting the upper echelon of Hollywood and maybe because of those issues, they're going to stick with Sony. But the smaller production houses and the companies that have the budget to, you know, outfit their offices with these would rather spend the money on the Pro Display XDR. Because like you said, it is a beautiful display. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe they missed the mark a little bit, but there still is definitely a category and a customer base of people who will buy this and will be really happy because it is a really nice looking display, but they did miss the mark a little bit. Maybe yeah, not, not great to compare to that Sony. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's really just a marketing problem. Like I think the har- hardware itself is excellent and great and exactly what Apple's trying to make. It's just like when when you go on stage and say it's it's this level well of course everyone's going to compare it and if it doesn't you know match up then it just it's a marketing problem but there's also you know some like like what you said is it $35,000 worse I, 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 maybe i'm not the person to answer this but to me no and and if you're like a production house or something yeah you're still going to want that you know perfect monitor that sony that's expensive but you could also you know kind of in theory you have like say 10 editors, you can get every one of them uh, an XDR display and then maybe just one of these Sonys mm-hmm. that you have in the back room for the final pass or something, you know? Exactly. So like, there's, there's, there's a way around this that still makes sense. And I think for kind of the most of us, this is definitely not a monitor we're going to get. I would love one, but it, you know, that costs the same amount as a Mac pro for crying out loud. So that's not going to be happening anytime soon. What I do want though, is, you know, I want them to take this Pro Display XDR and maybe shrink it or, you know, bring it down a little bit. It doesn't have to be as good, but bring me that in an iMac. That would be, that's the dream of this 2020 iMac is that it's going to be redesigned. It's going to look beautiful. I'm like looking at the Apple website now, I'm looking at the said profile. I'm like, how can they make this a little bit thicker, but put all the internals in here to fit a computer? And man, on a stand like that, all built in, widescreen, super slim bezels, this would be one crazy cool iMac. And I really hope they do that because the iMac design that we have now is not a bad design, but it just looks so dated. You've got it's old. big bezels. You've got this super like just thick aluminum frame around it. It's just not, it's when you look at the two, the, the Protospy XDR and the iMac side by side, I mean, one looks like, you know, it's straight out of the future and one looks like it's, you know, from 30 years ago. It's just, it, there's that big yeah. of a difference. So, oh, I am 100% on board with that. Yeah, I I don't know the exact date, but I'm pretty sure the iMac, the current design that we have, 2013, came out, right? No, I think it was before that because I remember I got a 2013 iMac, but I got it and literally the next year they came out the 5K model, so I was like, oh, you got to be kidding well, me. Well, I guess technically the it's like it was the same design. It was just actually it's just a fi- it's a thinner and slimmer design of like what we had in like 2010. Like yeah, those no, ones, when, that, oh, they jump with that exactly. original one. Yeah, that was what, 2000? No, that yeah. was before that, 2007, 2008, I want to say. Like they yeah, all so had a very old. similar yeah. design. It had a plastic back and this one's a little bit different, but 
all in all, it was basically the same design. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're in for a refresh. And maybe maybe it's not like the uh, the consumer iMac. Maybe it's more the iMac Pro that gets this Pro Display XDR in it or something. And I'm fine with that too. But Oof. I think you know, getting getting something updated with this kind of modern Mac uh, design with those those holes in the back, I, it'd be perfect. I'm ready for this. Give it to me. And I think that would definitely be the computer I buy. It'd probably still you know if you spec it up, it'd probably get up to the price of a Mac Pro, but you get the display, it gets all in one, and uh, I think I think I would be buying that. I mean, that would make a great, like you said, an iMac Pro. I could totally see that. All right, I'm in. I'm in on that. Maybe no no new Mac Pros, but new iMac Pros for sure. That is yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at this list that we made of kind of everything that came out, and it seems like 2019 to now was really kind of Apple's year for the Pro. We have the iPhone 11 Pro, we have the AirPods Pro, Mac Pro, Pro Display, MacBook Pro, iPad Pro. I mean, everything that they announced that was at least worth mentioning had a Pro attached to it. Yeah, and I think that I guess it makes sense. Should we just move on to AirPods Pro? I mean, these are kind of the bigger products that we saw. I look at the same list too. It's like there were some really cool Pro products and you have the Mac Pro and you have Apple dabbling in services. But besides some of these products... It was a little bit of a slower kind of, we always talk about the TikTok cycle with Apple. You got the Tick, which is kind of the S years, the smaller stuff, and the talk with the big uh, redesigns. And this was kind of a, another Tick year, smaller stuff. But I will say AirPods Pro, we had heard rumors about these during the summer. We had no idea when they were going to launch. We thought they were going to come with the 11. They did not. And then just randomly in late October, Apple just threw them online and said, hey, we've got new AirPods Pro, order them now. And um, I know we jumped on those ordering. I, I didn't order them at first. And then I think I waited a couple hours. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm going to order these anyways. <laughs> um, and I will say, as someone who did not get AirPods 2, I got the originals. And then I didn't really see the need to upgrade. I kind of waited and waited. And then when these came out, um, I picked up a pair. And I will say, they are fantastic. Uh, if you use AirPods every day, these are a very worthy successor. Uh, they're very much worth the price tag. You're going up. What is uh, 180, 170 for AirPods? More. 50 bucks more? Well worth the $50 like more. That, yeah. Just because the, the noise cancellation is great. The noise cancellation by itself is great for flights and you know working at a coffee shop and stuff like that. But what's even better almost is the transparency mode, being able to kind yeah, of listen to your mode. surroundings. Um, so what are your thoughts, Matt? I, I, I love them. I really, I really do love them. Yeah, I mean, I love them too. I have had some, you know, just issues with them not not anything that's a deal breaker i still totally recommend them if anyone's asking what headphones to get these are the ones i'm going to recommend even if you're not on an iphone even on android i still think airpods in general are just the best wireless headphones but you know i've had some issues i've had connectivity issues like i put them in and one one just wouldn't work it's like it's not that it wasn't connected it just like wasn't even on the phone couldn't even see it uh so that you know i've had that probably once a week i've had i lost my ear tip so AirPods Pro have the removable ear tips, which is you know great because you can get different sizes. It gives you a better seal. But I also lost one where we were at CES. I don't know how. I don't know where it went. I just pulled pulled the case out of my pocket, opened it up, and there was just not a tip <laughs> on the uh, on the AirPods. I don't. I really don't know what happened to them. But you know, kind of an issue there is yes, you can get replacement tips, but as far as I know, or at least at the time you couldn't just walk into an Apple store and buy them. You had to go through like a service request. It was almost like you were repairing your AirPods, which is kind of weird, but they're only four bucks to get the replacement. So, that, you know, that's great. 
Also, one thing, you know, you would think this is an Apple product. What's what's kind of synonymous with Apple products is the accessory market. You would think that AirPods would have a ton of different like third-party tips available. And I think I've seen like one from some random like Chinese manufacturer. I don't know if like the the margins there are just too small that like if I, I mean in all honesty like man Apple charging four dollars them is so reasonable it's like okay actually I would rather spend the four dollars and get the Apple certified genuine part than try to go with a dollar on Amazon I mean four dollars is so reasonable that I almost I'm just I'm fine with it so maybe just there's not a demand or it's too much of a niche thing I don't know but I, it's Interesting to see people are still trying to catch up with the original AirPods. You know, oh, there's yeah. some there's some high end companies like Sennheiser and Sony making nice like noise canceling in ear headphones, but it seems like there's still this huge market of AirPods, not knockoffs, but cheaper alternatives to the AirPods. And the AirPods Pro kind of remain in this class of their own, uh, and they're they're really great. I've had some issues as well. I had a lot of issues with the AirPods One more than I did with the Pros. Um, but I will say if you're on the fence about whether to spend $250, if you have no AirPods and you think you may use noise cancellation, definitely try the pros. I'm trying to think who I'd recommend the regular AirPods to, to. I mean, I think it's really just like, maybe you like literally never travel or, or you don't care about noise isolation at all. Like then I could see save the money. Because the the twos really that's the big difference. Like if regular AirPods fit in your ears just fine, you don't have any problem with that, and you don't don't need noise cancellation. Like I guess save the money. Like they're still perfectly good. Battery life is actually better. So like there's still definitely a market for that. But either way, like if you're looking for headphones, even though yeah we've kind of had some issues. Like they're still like it's not even close. They're by far the best. Like if you're looking, just get AirPods. They are the best. Uh... So AirPods Pro, where, where where do we go from here, Matt? I mean, I mean, I guess you know that I will just mention it for a second. The iPhone 11 Pro, well, and the 11 too. Mm. But you know, this was kind of an interesting year because so last year we had the 10R and the and the uh, 10S. The 10R was kind of the, you know the, the cheap quote unquote cheap alternative, and that was kind of the headlines of it. It's like, oh, this is the cheaper iPhone. Fin- finally, Apple made a cheaper iPhone. I think they made a you know really smart switch this year switching the 10R to just the 11. So it's like, now you go into it, people walk into the Apple store and they're like, I want the latest iPhone. Well, now the cheapest and latest iPhone is the iPhone 11. So you don't feel like you're getting gypped in any way. It's like, you're not settling. No, you're just getting the best iPhone. And uh, you know, if you want just a little bit more, then you get the iPhone 11 Pro. I know we both have the Pro. We're on the Apple upgrade program, which spoils us for sure. We don't even really think about getting the new phone. We just kind of do. Because that's that's what the upgrade program uh, gives you. It's so great. It, it, it's so nice. Like it's the the tough thing is if they for whatever reason I don't think they would do this, but if for whatever reason they they took it away, I don't know what I would do. Like I have to pay for my phone in full every year again. Well, what's nice is like you know this before it was like okay you buy the phone and then you would you know sell it and it was just always kind of a mess. This is easy because you pay what like fifty percent of what the phone's actually worth because you don't pay the full thing you return it in good condition it's all through apple so there's no issues with carriers or being locked to one service provider over another like it's just it's it's unlocked it's good to go and then when you're done with it you just you bring the phone you have to bring the box or anything you bring the phone in apple you give them the phone the genius will look at it if it looks fine then they're okay they'll send it back for you and you're done it's like almost just too easy 
Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I love the upgrade program. Um, but I, I think you, you made a good point. Like the 11, Apple is doing a good job of making the the more budget-conscious iPhone better and better and better. If you look at the 11 and the 11 Pro side-by-side, there's very little difference between the two and a, a very little reason to get the Pro unless you're someone who wants Pro things. If you're someone who's going to research the difference between OLED and LCD, then you probably want OLED if you really want to get into kind of the nitty-gritty. But Apple, you know, they put the wide and the ultra-wide on the 11, which is definitely the right call because uh, yeah, most people don't need telephoto. Um and, and the processor is the same. I mean, there's really very little reason to go pro. Um, but I, I don't know. What, it's been like, what, six months? How? What would you give your your little mini review of the 11 Pro, Matt? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What are your thoughts? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's great. It's definitely like the best, the best phone I've had. Um, and I still think it's better than most phones out there you know the camera is a huge upgrade this year on the on the pro you get those three cameras so you do get that telephoto and i think they're all pretty great they're excellent i use it to take photos all the time i guess to me it's like the phone is just a phone at this point like the last two two updates so the 10r to the 11 have been very very slight updates and hopefully, you know, we get something bigger with the next with the next uh, iPhone, the iPhone 12. But but the, at the same time, it's like I'm trying to think of what I actually want and I can't think of anything. So it's like these phones are just so good. It's like I'm perfectly happy with it. Sure, I wish it looked different or did something different, but I don't exactly know what. And I, I was just working on a video today for Apple Circle that'll probably go up probably pretty soon once this podcast goes up on kind of the 12 and when you actually hear the differences between the two, it is super interesting because with the 12 Pro, it sounds like there's going to be the LiDAR scanner, which eh. But if it does get the ProMotion display, that would be super cool. Um, you get 5G support, you get a better processor, and there's rumors that maybe there's a design overhaul next year. And I mean, we can we could do a whole show on the 12 and the 12 Pro, but just I'll leave it there. But I, I am hopeful and optimistic that the fall comes and there are hopefully... This is going to be a big year for for the for the new iPhone. I hope at least. Yeah. So like, let's just say, if there's one thing you wish this phone did right now, and hopefully the iPhone 12 does this, what would it be for you? For me, probably high refresh rate display. I think that'd be super cool. See, the high refresh rate, everyone seems to be going crazy over it. But I have the iPad Pro 120 hertz. I have the Pixel 4 90 hertz. I have the S20 Ultra 120 hertz, and and after 10 minutes. I, I promise you, you don't see it. <laughs> so it's like, it's nice. I'm, I would be happy it's there, but I don't know if I would pay a premium for it. So like, let's say they raise the price and the reason that they raise the price on the iPhone is because this, this display costs them an extra 20 cents. So they have to get their margins back. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would take that. I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, my, my reasoning for the high refresh rate display is because, and honestly, the iPhone is so good and it doesn't look like we're going to see any kind of crazy camera improvements. I mean, the, the cameras are good. Like I, I wanted the ultra wide, they added the ultra wide. So now it's like, I have all the lenses I could really want, you know, 5g support. I could really care less about, uh, the processor. I've never had any processor limitations. Like we always want better and better and better stuff. But I guess in all honesty, it's like, eh, it's actually a really good phone. And, 
it's like Apple, show me what you think is better, then I'll follow because I really don't have any suggestions yeah. to make to make it better. So yeah, exactly. I guess for me, like it's not so much the hardware. I think the hardware is pretty great. I think I would love to see some refresh of iOS and maybe some new features. Like one thing that I would definitely love is split screen multitasking on the iPhone specifically. Like just give me like a, a stacked app or being able to use two things at once. I think that would that would be helpful. That's probably the one feature that I, I really want that I know I would use. But also just, you know, kind of give it a give it a refresh. It's been when when did iOS seven come out? Two thousand ten? No, no, later than that. Eleven. It was with the iPhone five or five S. Uh. So it's been a while. <laughs> it's been it's been like five years at least. So, you know, I think it's time for a little bit of a refresh. I'm I'm hopeful that WWDC, which is gonna be very interesting this year, I'm really curious to see what new features are added. I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, we you know we had heard that maybe there's going to be some some new animations, some uh, less obtrusive call um, notifications and stuff like that. That's another one of those things that like it's hard to say what you want, but it's easy to say I want something different. Though I will say yeah. there are plenty of great YouTube concept videos that people have really done their homework and have come up with some really cool looking versions of iOS. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I'm I'm looking forward to see what happens this fall. New iPhones, it's it's going to be better. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting is the iPhone is kind of like we've been saying, like it's so good that I don't really think about it anymore. But interestingly, kind of unexpectedly, I think the thing that excites me the most is the iPad and with iPad OS. Yeah. So iPad, this is an interesting one. This was, I wouldn't call it a stealth release. I'd call it a very just a super weird release in the middle of everything going on in the world. Apple you know, it was rumored that they were going to launch these at the March event. I'm sure they had these things made. They were manufactured. They were ready to go, probably boxed up, ready to ship. And then they didn't release them because there was no event. So I wonder what the internal debate at, at Apple was, but they probably just decided, okay, we have these, they're ready to go. Let's just put them online. And this actually, I guess, worked out because this iPad Pro 2020 update is so small, um, but they put them online and they are very interesting. I think that the consensus is, Cool. 2018 one is probably still just as good, but everybody wants that magic keyboard. So that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's what's really interesting is that we've kind of found out now that it's out that the hardware is like basically exactly the same. So it has an A12Z chip instead of the A12X. And basically all that is is the exact same processor. They just unlocked one of the cores. So I guess the 2018 iPad Pro used a seven core uh six or seven I, i'm not sure I what think it, it was okay i think it, i think what it was is it uses six cores but there was a, a locked seventh core and this 2020 unlocks that seventh core so they're saying like the speed difference is like one percent because it's actually the same hardware it's just kind of unlocking one more core so it's like if you're really looking to get this ipad for more speed and you know a uh, uh, a more powerful processor. That's that's not what this is. You do get two cameras on the back with a LiDAR sensor, which is interesting, I guess. Like there's some applications for that, but really, like you said, everything everything I think that I've seen that's exciting is all about that trackpad support, that magic keyboard. And I know you don't have a uh, current you know, design of the iPad Pro, you have the previous design. Right. Is this oh, something boy. that you're looking at or, or what are you what are you thinking? Honestly, when this update came, it just made me more excited to jump on a used 2018 one, which I will say surprisingly I've been looking, have retained their value 
really well. I mean, these things la- they launched at what like seven hundred bucks was a, a starting one for eleven Some, six something fifty like something that, like yeah. that. And like they're still like you know over five hundred dollars. Like you you aren't losing much money if you were to sell one right now. Uh, but this really makes me excited to pick up a 2018 one because, okay, the 2021 is the update is so insignificant uh, that I'm excited to pick up a used one, get the Magic Keyboard, which I can justify that if I'm not buying a brand new iPad Pro. And then I could have this perfect machine that I could basically do everything on but Final Cut. And I've yeah. become such a, a curmudgeon. I love the creature comforts of a computer. But I feel like really the way we have our, our Macs configured right now is we have these docks. So you plug into these Thunderbolt docks and you're all docked in and I have all these monitors. It's like I really don't want to take my laptop out if I don't have to just because exactly. it's just kind of a pain to have something that I could do everything else on but editing. I don't really need to dig into the file system. You know, I, iPad OS has its shortcomings, but the stuff it does, it does really well. So that is just, it's, it makes me super excited when there's a, a great deal in a 2018 one to pick one up because I do want to jump into this. Yeah. And uh, I have a feeling once yeah. all this uh, coronavirus stuff <laughs> settles down and the economy is maybe more predictable, I have a feeling that's going to be your first purchase. Yeah, that is definitely, I'm, I'm eyeing them. I'm looking on eBay, I'm looking on Swappa, and I'm just kind of like, well, like, I'll kind of wait right now, but for sure i i definitely uh i want to get that magic keyboard i want to try it out and of course we'll have we'll have coverage on the channel but oh, oh yeah so definitely cool. yeah i mean that's what i use my ipad for basically like like you said we we work off laptops and they they're pretty good you know there's nothing really wrong with them but most of the time we're especially now we're working from home so it's just docked and i really i don't want to take that thing out of out of uh out of the thunderbolt that's plugged into it not because i can't or it's hard i just i just don't want to use the laptop really but the ipad is just it's easier, it's faster, it's smoother. And that's what I use to write all our scripts. That's what I use to kind of, uh, you know, go through Google Drive and do pretty much everything. It's just when it comes down to video editing, I have to sit down at the computer, which, you know, that's kind of what this, that's kind of the perfect blend. It would be nice if I think, you know, if Apple made Final Cut Pro for, for the, what if they called it, you know, I was just thinking this right now. If they made Final Cut Pro for the iPad, what if they just called it Final Cut? So it's not Final Cut Pro. That's still for the computer. But iPad, you get Final Cut. I'd love to see what it is. I would love to try it. I can't imagine like just editing without a really robust file system just worries me. Like a lot of our workflow is like downloading YouTube videos. So it's like jumping between 4K video downloader and downloading them in Finder and then bringing them in. Like I'm sure the iPad Pro is totally capable of doing that. I just want to see what that workflow would be like. Uh, yeah, it's, but just, I would, it's just like different workflows. Yeah. Like, I've I've gone in like the last week and I've really refreshed like refreshed how I'm using the iPad and the way I have it now I thought of it like okay how do I use my Mac maybe I can use my iPad like that and it's actually surprisingly easy to do that so I deleted well, I didn't delete them but I I moved all of the icons off of the home screen and put them all into the dock basically hmm. so basically the dock is where all my apps are and when you think about it, that's exactly what I do on the Mac. If I need an app that is, you know, not on my dock, I'll search for it. And then I just open it. You do that exact same thing on the iPad. And then you have these different services that once you like kind of think about what you need to do, you just kind of search for it in Google and you realize that, oh, there's an app that does that. It's just a different way of doing it. And so far I really love, I think maybe we'll probably do a video on this, hopefully on the Apple circle, or at least on my channel about like this weird kind of new way of using the Mac that I've been thinking of for the last week. 
it, it's especially now with this magic keyboard and trackpad support where you can use a mouse and it actually works kind of like a normal computer. This I think is going to be the year where even more people make that switch to the iPad pro. I'm so ready. I think it's so funny that we have MacBook Pros and we just keep them docked. Like I literally, like I'm looking at it right now. Like, I'll, it's nice. I love a dock, uh, like a Thunderbolt three dock. Like we have these Caldigit ones because you can just one cable takes everything out, and you know you can you're basically good to go to take the laptop. But it's like I just like I like the computer plugged in. Like I like all the monitors. Like I don't even want to deal with it. But like the iPad Pro seems like the perfect, you know it can do everything else. And like the Mac is like the last mile thing I actually need to do. I would love to try to podcast with that. I would want to see what that interface would look like. I guess you could do, I'm sure there's XLR to USB-C. And then yeah, I wonder if we could, exist. that would be cool. Just be able to like literally take this mic and podcast everywhere and not have to have GarageBand and FaceTime and everything open. But iPad Pro, the future is bright. I am super excited. And yes, uh, we'll wait a little bit, but uh, post, post-COVID, iPad Pro probably in the future. So yeah, I mean, this this stealth update. Well, yeah, maybe not quite stealth update, but just kind of in the back end update of this iPad is very interesting. Of the times that we are in, so many questions, so many things delayed. I mean, literally every Apple store in the world, except for in China, is closed right now. So, I mean, there's things that we were expecting Apple to announce in March that are just not coming out, I guess. So things like the air tags, uh, we are thinking, uh, over the ear headphones, like AirPods, but over the ear headphone version of that, uh, iPhone nine, which apparently is like, it's kind of the same situation as the iPad pro. Like it's already manufactured sitting in the box, just waiting, waiting to be shipped out. Do you think Apple should kind of do what they did with the iPad pro and release the iPhone nine, even though like you're not gonna be able to go to the store and buy one for at least another two months? I feel like there must be such a debate about this because I, I get it. Like with the iPad Pro, like it's such a minor update. Like, yeah, it's it's not a big deal. Like it's for the pros. But for the iPhone 9, a device targeted at consumers, I feel like they almost need a keynote or they need to kind of build up this buzz. Like they need to make the average consumer aware that here's what the iPhone 9 is. Here's what it does. And I, I, could, I mean, I could see both. Um, both ways of doing this. I mean, there's a chance. The only thing I could think of is maybe something at WWDC because that would make sense. But I, I cannot see them waiting until the fall to do it just because you're mixing it in with the 12 and the 12 Pro, which they don't want to do. And also, if the rumors are true and these phones are made and literally sh- uh, you know, sitting in boxes ready to be shipped out, they're losing money by the day these things aren't out. So that might yeah. want to motivate them to do whatever it takes to release them. So I... This really, there's a lot of things going on in the world and a lot of hardships, uh, but just from a logistical standpoint with Apple, they had all these phones ready to go and they probably had this whole roadmap for how they saw the next six months going. This definitely puts a kink into their plans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is kind of not related, but also related. One thing I just thought when you were saying that was like, I don't know if the answer to this exists, but how how does Apple when they release a new iPhone, it comes with the latest version of the software. So like iOS 13, when the, when the iPhone 11 came out, right? But when that phone was manufactured, uh, apparently, or, you know, you would think that the latest software wasn't available because the Golden Master, which is that final version, doesn't come out until a week before the iPhone ships. 
So do we know the answer of how that phone has the final software yeah, on it? Yeah, there was an I can't <laughs> there's an answer to it and I cannot think of specifically what it was. It was something like there's like a special build of iOS that like basically just like will receive the latest build over the air or something like that's a great question and it has been answered and I can't think of specifically what it was, but something like it just like does it over the air like it's like has so much of the code there but just will make that last final push and put the update on this i don't i don't know that's something we got to research for another show the answer exists i don't know what it is but yeah because i was just thinking like let's say they waited till the fall for this iphone 9 like is it going to be shipping with (laughs) 13.2 or something like that'd be kind of interesting yeah, I'm, that, sure they, I'm sure now, they. Now I want to look that. into this and see. We, we'll we'll answer this next week because that's there's a there's a lot of like little fascinating things about Apple. I know there was a thing with the Macs too. How there are these Macs that were built, and there was a way that they were like basically like scanning the code or something on the box to basically ping the server to tell it, okay, this Mac is going to go out for sale. You need to get the latest version. We'll look into this, but that's that's a fascinating question. Yeah, and that's, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of those questions going on internally at Apple right now. Like, how are we going to navigate with the world right now? Because everything is just so unpredictable. I'm really curious to see this WWDC live stream only. I am sure that there is a lot of work going on right now at Apple to figure out what to do. Uh, not just for the keynote, but the logistics of giving these developers these breakout sessions that are so valuable to, you know, creating this developer ecosystem. I, I can't wait to see how they're going to do this. There must be an immense amount of resources going behind this, but this is going to be this is going to be a WWDC to watch for sure, because this is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. Yeah. Do you think they would go as far as to do what Google did? They canceled I.O. altogether, which is their developer conference. Do you I, think like, well... So, so WWDC is going to be in June. In theory, according to all the latest predictions and what everyone's kind of predicting, by June we should be at at the very least at the tail end of this. So, so everything should be okay. But it's like, do you think Apple would go that far as to cancel an event at that scale? I, I can't see them doing that because I, I do. They they obviously made the right move to push online only, and I think that that obviously puts a lot of the liability off of them. It creates a bigger burden for logistics, but I think that if any company can pull off this kind of live stream, it's Apple. And they have gotten progressively better with their live streaming technology over the past few years. All the keynotes are live streamed now. There's no more really need for live blogs. So they probably have the capacity to do it. And I'm sure they could, you know, do this at Apple Park and, you know, use the Steve Jobs Theater. I, I just, I cannot, them canceling WWDC just seems like such a a public failure almost like that's you know if if this trillion dollar company i guess not trillion dollar anymore but if this company that is so highly regarded that has seemingly endless resources can't pull it off that just seems weird the google io thing i think is weird i'm surprised again of all companies google couldn't figure out how to do this but i think that i think it's such a big deal they've got to do it yeah i think with google the reason they canceled is because they're like "Eh, we don't really have anything to talk about anyway so let's just cancel it google io was always super interesting it's either a very cool keynote or it just seems kind of really weird and they have all these weird setups and i'm not a huge fan of io but i'll leave it at that so yeah but i think like to that point apple always at wwdc has a ton of stuff to talk about so it's like unless we're assuming that they're basically on pause right now and they're not working on anything which i guess is possible because you know apple's not immune to this california shutdown like where they can't work from home unless they're deemed essential like 
how are, I guess WWDC is software, so it should be okay. But like, how are they working on the latest iPhone prototypes or, you know, getting all that ready when they can't go into, into the development lab or are they considered essential? I don't know what the answers to these questions are, but there's a lot of logistics that go into this. But like you said, if there's, if there's a company that's going to figure it out, it's going to be Apple. And you think about it too, like if they are going to ship iOS 14 and, you know, assuming that everything is going as, you know, regularly scheduled, like they need to get developers on this early because they need to have this ready to go by the fall. So it's going to be interesting. They have to do something because even if the iPhone is delayed by a month, they still need to get developers access to this software. So apps are ready and things are ready to go because if not, it's just going to create this domino effect of delays after delays and they'll take care of it. I, I, I'm so glad this is not our problem because what a <laughs> yeah. massive problem to have. Um, but I will definitely be watching that keynote. I cannot wait to see what this is going to be because it's going to be interesting. So, yeah. And I think, you know, that's probably a good place to kind of wrap it up. It's we're in a very big period of questions. We really like literally tomorrow, everything could change and either for better or for worse. We really don't know what's going to happen in the world of Apple or just life in general. So I think, you know, we'll, we're, we're back. We're back finally with the new podcast episode. We're going to be doing these every single week. So if you got to this point, thanks so much for listening. And uh, yeah, that the world of Apple is very interesting right now. And be sure to, to call in. We, we got that number in the show notes. Call in. Let us know your perspectives. If you have any cool insider information or you have an idea of how Apple is going to save the world with WWDC and there's going to be some really cool way they're going to do it, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. So call that number. Uh, check it out. Leave a review of this podcast if you have not already because those certainly help. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to coming back next week, Matt, and talking about all the crazy cool Apple stuff in the world because... Oh, we could go on for hours. There's a lot to talk about. So I, I'm looking forward to next week.